How's it going, everybody? Welcome into episode number four of the College Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Ezra Janello. We aren't in our little homemade podcast studio in the closet of my apartment at Franklin Pierce this week. We're in my bedroom at my parents' house back home in Jersey. Finished classes today. Said, why don't we just rip home, go see the fam, go see the dog, just hang out in Jersey for the night. Driving right back up tomorrow morning, so you know we've been in the car for five hours today. But we're buzzing right now, talking about college hockey, the best part of the day, the best part of the week, Wednesday evening, we get going with the hockey talk, even by yourself. It just gets you going. Anyway, we've got a really good episode for you this week. We've got the last little bit of the Daniil Gorosimov interview coming up at the end of the episode, as well as the second half of the Mayak season preview. We went over their five playoff teams last week. We've got their four teams that didn't make the playoffs coming up later. But first... I've got a story for you. So I ref youth hockey on the weekends. I'm a USA hockey official, which, by the way, if if you're involved in hockey, like you play junior hockey, play college hockey, if you know how to skate, why are you not an official? Like, it is such an easy job, and you make so much money doing it, and it's so fun. I mean, if you're a college hockey player right now, and your season doesn't start till January 1, go get your level one if you don't have it already. They need officials in the first place, so you're going to get a lot of games. Two, you get a lot of money for it. And three, it's just a really good way to get on the ice, get your feet moving. I mean, it's not a full-speed practice, for se, where you're going to be having a puck and a stick and you're doing drills and stuff, but it keeps you on the ice, keeps you skating while you, you can't really, and you're not. And, and, and you might find yourself over winter break or over the summer when there's tournaments going on that you want a little bit of extra money. It's right there up for the taking and refing. so go get your level one. But anyway, I had five games this weekend. I had uh, two on Saturday, three on Sunday, and uh, my last game on Sunday, I had a game, it was, it was a U12 game, and it was the BHL, and it's the preseason. And so the way they do their season, seeding for the regular season is by goal differential in this little tournament that they have. And... Uh, the score was getting a little out of hand. I mean, it was it was like 12 to 1. And the away team only had 11 guys, including their goalie. So, I mean, we've all been there. I know I've definitely been there. You don't get a lot of guys, so you don't get a lot of production, so you don't get a lot of wins. And it sucks. Like, <laughs> it sucks. Everybody knows that winning is so much better than losing. But this team, they had a coach, an assistant coach, who it didn't matter what happened. He was always telling us guys, hey, good job. Don't worry about it. I'm proud of you, right? That's the big one. I'm proud of you, right? And he just made it enjoyable for his guys. He made it so it wasn't as bad for the fact that they just drove an hour and a half to lose a hockey game 12 to 1 or whatever the score was. And, and it made me think about the coaches that I had growing up that were doing that for me. I mean, I had a lot of great coaches. A guy named Chris Schneider, who I played for for six years when I had a problem when I was younger with my grades. He was there to help me figure it out and straighten it out. He was there when I needed him to. He, he, he benched me for a while like, while I didn't do my homework, right? Great, great role model coach. But I had two coaches that, that were there morale-wise. The first one was Eric Anderson. He was the first coach I had as a travel hockey coach. He played two years or, or four years, whatever it was, at St. Norbert. Um, he, was like, he was actually a captain there. Um, unreal guy, played in the East Coast League every once in a while for the Trent Titans. They're no longer in the league, but a good organization, used to go to their games growing up. Um, 
But he 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 made it fun coming to the rink. He did the the learn to play program, and he eventually moved out to Minnesota, back where he's from. And and uh, so I didn't really get to see him anymore. But then came Brian Altini, who everybody knows. There's there's one coach that you'll ever have, who is just the absolute life of the party. Doesn't matter if you're six years old. Doesn't matter if you're 18 years old. The guy's got comedy. Like, there's no tomorrow. And that was Brian Altini. And it didn't matter if you were in a good mood or a bad mood. You always liked going to the rink when you knew that Brian Altini was going to be there. And he wasn't a college hockey guy. He wasn't a hockey expert. He was a hockey dad. Always played with his son, Anthony. But the, the guy was unreal. And, and watching this coach talk to his players, it just reminded me of those guys. And, and they're really the reason why we're all still here. I mean, I know everybody's had those coaches. No one's playing hockey this late in their life. They don't enjoy it. They're not still loving the game. And, and those guys are the reason why we do love it. There's a reason why I'm, I'm three years out of my junior hockey career, not playing hockey anymore, but I'm still involved in the game. And that's because those guys made it enjoyable. Now, obviously, there are other things that made it enjoyable, but those guys really had that big of an impact on my life in, in the hockey world. But So I went over to that guy at the end of the game, the coach, and I said, hey, man, like, coach, that's really refreshing. Like it's something I really like to see and I like to hear and, and just keep doing that and uh, and just be be that guy for your team because it's going to be a long season, I know, and, and, and the fact that you're there, trust me, it means a lot to those guys. So enough of the little sappiness. We're going to get back into college hockey. We are the College Hockey Podcast. And uh, last week we started off the MIAC, their top five teams, the teams that went to the playoffs. This week we have the bottom four teams. And the first one is Bethel. So Bethel University, last year in conference, they were 6-6-4, six, 7-14-4 six and 4, seven, 14 and 4 overall. So there's one big takeaway from that record, from both those records, is one in conference. They were okay, 500. But out of conference, they only had one win and eight losses. Not a good record. But that means that they, get, they, they took games on that they knew were going to be good games. Their head coach, you have a couple options when you're the head coach of a college hockey team and you're making your out-of-conference schedule. The first one is you get teams you know you're going to route. You know you're going to blow them over. It's going to be an easy win. Sure, it's fun to win. I said that earlier. It's always more fun to win. But it's not fun like that. You want to have good competitive hockey, and that's exactly what Bethel did. They, they scheduled opponents. They knew we were going to give them a good game. We are going to test their players. So that, that's a good thing to see from their team, but... In conference, 6-6, six and six, they finished in sixth place. They didn't make the playoffs. They're looking to get there next year, but they're going to have to replace some players. They've got a good chunk of seniors on their team, not a ton of production on the offensive end. Their, their best scoring player on, on the graduating class was a defenseman from Furadal, Sweden, and Johan Kling. I think he had eight points last year. Then they're, they're also losing their starting goalie in Joe Shepard, a senior from Fort Worth, Texas. They're losing... A lot of bodies, like I said, not a ton of production, but on Elite Prospects, I mentioned them, that website, a lot. It's my favorite website in the world. But they, they've got a lot of commits coming in. The two that stand out to me, first one, Sam Metcalf. He's uh, coming in to take that goaltending spot. He's going to have to earn it as a freshman. Last year in the NA, he played for the St. Cloud Blizzard. He had 19 games played. A 4-4-2 goals against average and an 8-8-7 save percentage. So not crazy numbers in junior hockey, but 
definitely good numbers, and he's going to go make an impact right away in his freshman year. And they also have Colin Mirren, Marin, however you say his last name. This guy, he's big, 6'3", 190. He's a defenseman. He's a 2000 from Lakeville, Minnesota. Last year he played in the NCDC for the Utica Junior Comets, a really respected junior hockey program out here in New York. He had six points, one goal, five assists. So he's going to bring a big body, a big presence on the blue line for Bethel and, and help him make that jump into the playoffs and, and, and get back to an above 500 record, not just at a 500 record. Next up, we have St. Mary's. Last year in conference, they went 6-9-1. and one. That's a 406 win percentage. And then out of conference, they went 9-14-2, and two, so a 400 win percentage. So nothing crazy between their in-conference record and their out-of-conference record. But a team that's definitely looking to make the playoffs next year. They're losing nine players off their roster. Not a starting goalie, but they're losing Blair Sanders in between the pipes. They're losing two of their top goal scorers, their point getters last year. The first one, Tommy Stang. He had 11 goals and 15 assists for 26 points in 24 games played. He led the team in, in points last year by only one. He beat his little brother, Jack Stang, by one point. And then Kyle Mee, who was in third, he had 21 games played last year, 11 goals, 8 assists for 19 points in those 21 games. So... Two of their top three scorers last year. They're, they're, they're losing to graduation, but on elite prospects, they've got a good amount of prospects coming in, a lot of transfers on elite prospects. Uh, the three guys that show off for me, the first one is Nolan Dawson. Last year, he played for three different teams. He started the season in the AJHL with the Old Grizzlies, where he, he mixed in an assist in five games. Then he moves over to the MJ, where he starts off with the Verdun Oil Capitals, and in 26 games, he gets four and four for eight. And he moves over to the Selkirk Steelers, still in the MJ, where in 17 games he gets 10 points off nine assists and a goal. So the guy is looking to make an impact right away his freshman year. And then they've got two guys from Colorado Springs who played for the Walpole Express last year. The first one is Noah Kimo, right? Keep, keep that name in mind. But first he played in the NA last year for the Aberdeen Wings. Four games there. Then he moves over to the Maryland Black Bears for four games in the NA. And then he uh, he goes down playing the EHL for Walpole. 26 games played. Five goals, eight assists, 13 tucks. Then he commits on the same day as his brother, Nicholas Kemel, who did not start on the same team as his brother last year, but he ended up on the same team as his brother. God, I hope they're brothers. They're not cousins. <laughs> but uh, Nicholas Kemel... Played for the Odessa Jackalopes for 12 games in the NA. He had one goal, his only point of the year, before going down to play in the EHL with the Express, where he had 11 tucks and 9 assists for 20 points in 29 games played. But the year before that is what I'm really looking at. He played for the Junior Flyers. He was the captain of their EHL team. He had 23 points in 46 games. So three guys who are looking to make an impact. I guess St. Mary's, they're big on their relatives coming in and, and playing on the same team. I guess there's... A little bit of added chemistry going on there. But like I said, St. Mary's under 500 last year. They want to get to the playoffs, and that's the great thing about the Mayak is nine total teams in the conference, five spots up for grabs in the playoffs. So if you get on a run in the season, you can get one of those five spots. But St. Mary's, they're looking. Next up is Hamline. They went 14-9-3 in the conference last season. 
Six fifteen and four out of conference overall. Again, three forty four win percentage in the conference. Three twenty out of the conference. So another team that was playing teams similar to what they were seeing in the conference. But if there's one of the teams that we're talking about this week that has a really good chance to making the playoffs next year, it's Hamline. Despite the fact that they finished second to last last year, they're only losing two guys to graduation: Brady Crabtree and Sam Nelson, a forward and a goalie, so they're not losing a lot to graduation. They've got a good amount coming in through uh, elite prospects and through transfers. They've got a goalie, they've got a forward, and they've got three defensemen. The first guy I'm looking at is a defenseman from Davenport, I think Iowa, I-A-U-S-A. But um, Taylor Curry, last year he played in the EHL, first for the Valley Junior Warriors. He was the captain of their team for 32 games where he got 10 assists, and then he got traded to the Philadelphia Revolution, also in the EHL, where he played nine games, had a goal, two assists for three points. The great thing about Corey for me is uh, I played against him in 2017-2018 in the EHL premiere. He started his season with five games with the uh, the Junior Flyers, where he had four, four total points, two goals, two assists, and then he ended off with three games with the Valley Junior Warriors, and I think I... I played against him when he was on the Flyers. I, I got hurt after like 10 games, and we, we played them quite a few times before I got hurt. But uh, we have one of those kids at Franklin Pierce. It's crazy to think that that um, like I was on the track to go play college hockey. Obviously, I got hurt, couldn't do it. And then now I'm getting to the point where kids I played against in, in low-level juniors when I was a senior in high school are starting to commit to schools and, and play college hockey. So it makes you think, what would have happened had I not needed surgery? But... Anyway, the second guy that headlines their transfer list for me is an Australian goalie from Wien, Australia, Maximilian Hasselbacher. And last year he played in the USPHL Premier for the Minnesota Moose. He had 27 games played, a 300 goals against average, and an 8.83 save percentage. A year before that, though, in 16 games played, a 199 goals against average and a 9.22 save percentage. So... I'm really interested to see, like, did they play him against the not-as-strong opponents the year beforehand, and he, he, he got the starting role his second year. I know we did that at the Renegades my rookie year. was We played our starting goalie for the majority, majority of the games, and then we had games against the, the low end of the stick that we threw in our backup goalies. But anyway, he's got some pretty decent numbers. They're losing a goalie. They're not losing a ton on the offensive end, though, Hamline, so... If there's one of those teams, one of the four that we're talking about this week that, that has a really strong chance of making the playoffs, I think Hamline's the perfect team to fit into that that fifth-place spot and, and make a run in the playoffs. And last but not least, St. Olaf, the last-place team in the Mayak last year. They went 2-11-3 in the conference, 4-18-3 overall. I will say, though, their logo's sick. I love this shield with the line on it, A-plus logo. But they, uh, they're they losing a good amount off their roster from last year. Not a ton of production anyways. I mean, their their leading goal scorer was uh, Joswell Roshan, or Roshan Joswell. Um, he had nine points, four goals, five assists. Second place and third place were tied. Kyle Rimbach and Andrew Wilner for uh, five and three and one and seven for eight points. But they've got a good amount of transfers on elite prospects and the two guys I want to talk about are, are two guys coming from high school the first one 
Tommy Wraith. He's coming from the Kent School. Uh, he's he's a 2001, so he's got a chance of being the youngest commit in, in NCAA D3 hockey right now of what I've seen so far, April 10th, 2001. But he played at the Kent School last year, 26 games, five goals, seven assists, 12 total points. Uh, he also played six games for the Springfield Rifles, 18U AAA. So that he's, he's skipping junior hockey as a whole. He's going straight to college hockey. Something you don't see very often at this level, so hopefully he can develop a little bit and, and, and bring a, a good offensive aspect to St. Olaf. And then the, the next guy I want to talk about, talk about untraditional ways to college hockey in America. He's from Tokyo, Japan. His name is Kazumo Matsuo. He's a uh, 2000, and he went to the Lawrenceville School where he was a captain, Lawrenceville, New Jersey, which I just mentioned earlier in the episode, the beginning of the episode, I'm back home in Jersey. I live in Princeton, which is a town over. Um, I played against kids who go to Lawrenceville. I played um, in the same high school tournament as Lawrenceville when I played high school hockey here in Jersey when I went to Lawrence High School. Um, but the captain of the school, the captain of the high school team, 31 games played, two goals, 11 assists on the blue line. Not a crazy big body, 5'11", 174, but another guy who's going to skip junior hockey entirely. He's going over to college hockey right away. So two, two guys, they're not doing it the traditional way. They're not taking the traditional route to college hockey. I hope it really works out for them, something that, that you might see grow a little more if this is two success stories. You might see St. Olaf go back to the high school recruitment level and, and do it in the future if this works out for them. But either way, a team that's looking to improve, I'm not sure if they're going to be a playoff team next year. I, I love it when teams prove me wrong. But um, that's it for the Mayak. We're going to send it over to uh, Daniil Garasimov for his college hockey talk and uh, what it's been like for him. So we're going to send it over to him. Um, then you get to college. You get to Augsburg, the yeah. Augies. First of all, A-plus names in that conference. Uh, yeah. The names, uh, the Augies, and, and they're all just, like, based off of the school name. Like, I, yeah. I don't have them, or, or the St. Saint, Saint Thomas, Thomases, or whatever they are. But Tommies, Tommies. Tommies, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's, it's unreal. A-plus names. But you get to Augsburg. Did you win conference ch- MIAC championships with Augsburg? Two years, my freshman and sophomore. And you had a you had a four overtime game your freshman year, right? Sophomore. Sophomore and year. Let me tell you, that was insanity. I mean, I don't know if you pulled up a video to look what was going on. I mean, we were up one nothing all game, and we were very off. Like we were, my two first years were very offensive teams. Like we had forwards that can, you know, we would give up four, but it was just like we'll put six in like we were just that good offense like we had creativity we had guys up front we're just you know putting up the show and 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 then there are so many skill guys i mean alex rodriguez uh, you'll see his stats like average two points per game you know like biz likes to say not a big deal (laughs) and then he's playing the east coast right now and he's one of the top scorers in the east coast team at Norfolk and he was in the AHL camp as well and I mean we had um we had a lot of division one transfers come to us speaking of you know again Alex and and then Chandler from Mankato and we had a lot of like 
kids that had Division One commits and they kind of fell through. And, and that's why we had a lot of talent in our locker room. And so we would always play offense. And that, that game before St. John's, we're like our coach whole week long. I kid you not, third guy high. I We did not have an F3 lower than these pretty much, like maybe five feet in front. That all game long, we're just pressing. They can't even get to our zone. They're just chipping the puck. We're breaking it out. We're getting it deep. Just grind. Like, it's not fun to watch whatsoever, let me tell you. And then we, we're up one nothing all game long, starting in the second period. And they get on a power play in the end of a third, and they tie it with a minute to go. And then you're like, oh, my God. It's a championship game. Speaking of momentum change. And then they tie it before going into overtime, and you're like, what's going to happen next? And if it's a five-on-five steal, but, like, not three-on-three, but you're just like, what's going to happen? Yeah. And what happened is 62 extra minutes. (laughs) That's what happened at that point. It was insane. And we we go, it's like, all right, first. First overtime kind of flew by. We didn't even notice. We're like, okay. And then, like, see, you look at second overtime. You're like, oh, geez. Third overtime. And then I'm looking at our student, uh, you know, student section. They're all, like, sober by now. And yeah. they're, they're, like, you know, pissed drunk before game. And they're, like, because they start chanting 30 minutes before even game starts. Oh, yeah. We're not even on the, on the ice. It's, you know, packed rank, and it's unreal. You love playing those playoff games at home because – you know, at just that ring just gets it's sold out in like ten minutes on a Wednesday as soon as they get the tickets going. So we we usually get the upper hand to get the relatives in, and then everyone comes to the ring at like forty something minutes before to get to get a seat because they don't have a signed seat. But long story short, yeah, the student section is like sober and like we have to watch this hockey. We get on a power play in the end of a third in the third overtime, and I mean we had a couple chances, couldn't really capitalize the. Fourth overtime starts, and we just can't get in the zone. We're sloppy. Everyone's tired. And the puck goes deep, and their defenseman try to clear it, and he just 180, turned around, try to clear it. Hits Rodzi, A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, in the shins. It kind of stuck, surprisingly. It doesn't bounce away from him. He, like, passes between the legs, and Tommy Carey was, like, all alone on a far post. And, oh, my God. <laughs> that was just... That was crazy. I mean, we, we, we scored that goal, and, and we're all rushing on the ice. We don't understand what's going on. It's like 11.55 at night. Like, the game started at 7, and <laughs> yeah, you're playing for four hours. And it was it was crazy, and, yeah, it was it was awesome. That win was electric, yeah. So I, I, I do a lot with the media side of, of game day production. I, I do a lot of commentary for the hockey teams here at Franklin Pierce. And uh-huh. our, our women's hockey team, they made playoffs in, in, in the NAWHA. They have playoffs at St. Anselm. It's a school out in Manchester. Uh-huh. And I the, know that one. The game actually ended up being the longest uh, women's NCAA hockey game in NCAA history. It oh. lasted <laughs> like halfway through the, the fifth overtime. And, oh, and, no. and me being being college hockey guy, I, I was paying attention to all these college hockey games around. I mean, Framingham State had a game. That's where my brother goes. Our men's yeah. team had a game, and they both started after the start of the women's game. And then we're in, we're in the fourth overtime. I'm looking back, and these I'm reading recaps that are already written for these games that started after hours. But yeah, I mean, you you were on the bench, just an unreal reaction after that goal was scored. Oh my god! Videos like we had, 
so the local TV, uh, Care 11 channel, like we, we don't get, you know, that coverage. It's, we got Gophers and St. Cloud here in Cato. Like we don't, we don't get on the federal, you know, net, like local, even state TV. Uh, but they're, they're funny. They're like, they're sports guys. Like, oh, I was paying attention to all those stats. And I saw the Maya games going in the third overtime. So I grabbed my camera and went there. And then they were like, there's a video of perfect angle where at the off, like, where you have the standings in behind. And I'm, you, I can send it to you later. Maybe if you want to post it as something. It's like, he clears the puck. It's passive off. You scores. And there's just gloves everywhere, helmets everywhere, student section going bananas. We're flying on the ice. Like, just, it's just crazy that fourth overtime. And that was probably, it was definitely the most memorable and most, like, hardest win we ever had um, in, like, in my ever hockey career. It was really, and overtime wins are always awesome. Like, it's just, doesn't matter when, but it's just championship game in four overtimes at home in front of your, you know, your fans, your student section. It was, it was something special. It was insane. <laughs> That's unreal. And then you come back. That was your sophomore year. This past yeah. year was your junior year. You've, yeah. you've got the net. It's your net now. You're the starting goalie. 20 games. Well, oh, yeah. Go, go, ahead. Ahead. Sorry. go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say 20, 20 games played, 202 goals against average, 928 save percentage. And, and it, you said well. So if, if you're not the starting goalie, those are pretty much starting goalie numbers right there. Um, I didn't go into the season knowing, you know, I'm going to be starting goalie. We had a really good, uh, first of all, I went, I got into to school at the same time with John Albers and, uh, shout out to him. I don't know if he'll listen to it, but he's, he never had I, a goalie partner who is my best friend and John and me just got so close since day one. We got into orientation, you know, week at school and I'm like who is this lengthy kid like six five I'm like looks like a baseball player maybe or maybe basketball but doesn't look like a hockey player not like he's a goalie he's my yeah. goalie partner and, and he you know he had a great summer we trained together and he he played well we played actually Bemidji um Bemidji State uh be, before the season and we we all played really well and he he gave up the the least goals and we had a really good freshman too and i mean he's still with us um uh robsy he he played for the magician actually too which is crazy i don't remember where he was committed division one but somewhere and then the coaches kind of like didn't didn't want i don't know what happened there he like kind of decommitted him and he's like i don't want to play one more year juniors i'll just go to college and he was really good and going into season i mean chris was very honest with me like danielle like you know, we'll look at the training camp, and after training camps, like, okay, like, you, you're, you're a junior, you'll get the first shot in that, but you gotta earn it, right? And then I, I did have a decent start um, in the first half of the season, and uh, played, uh, I think, like eight, eight games, I think, uh, like went six and two, and then we, we won the rest, four of them. Um, Robsy did actually, um, so we, yeah, we finished the the first half of the season like 10 and 2 really well um i did have good stats and that's kind of when i established and then um rob Z suffered an injury with uh ankle so that's kind of put him out of the spot for the year uh for this uh, for the last year and then 
John was, you know, our number two guy. And I was actually very happy uh, when we played one of the weekends. Um, I caught a strap <laughs> and I played, I finished the game against Bethel. Uh, actually, surprised. I don't know how we got a shout out or beat him like five nothing on. I don't remember four nothing. Like I get off the rink and it's like Missy, our trainer. She's like, Danielle, you don't look so well. I was like, I don't feel that well. And she's like, let's you know, let's check your you know fever. Like hundred and four. What's going on? And she's like, oh boy, you're gonna have to check you know for strap, mono, everything, whatever the procedure is right away, so you can even be in a locker room. Um, and then. John, John gets the the shot in the net, and he plays against Bethel, and it's he took it to overtime, to because so the rules are in our conference we're playing five on five overtime that worth three points, like the full win, and then after that it's a tie for an NCAA record, but the points are split two and one, yeah. kinda, and and, and then uh, we. Uh, yeah, he takes it to the three and three overtime. Man, like unreal backdoor tap in save and boys scored. Oh boy, was I happy for him. I was probably I think I was the happiest out there on the ice. <laughs> Maybe more than him, because I waited for him to, to get that first win for you know in in three years as well. And and then after that, you know, it was it's harder. It gets harder every year when in the conference down the road where you play every single point matters and we're kinda number one till the last weekend of a season and then you know, it's like one team wins, the other loses. There was all those scenarios, and long story short, we dropped to the third one, I think, because we were tied in points. But then, goal differential, God knows what, like yeah, yeah, yeah it's, just those crazy things that you go, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not even head to head. It's it's like they just the. It's not even goal differential. It was like goals for versus goals against. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. It's like against. The opponents that are above you, like four against, like it's it's crazy. Long story short, we ended up third and went to Concordia, and, and then a couple lucky bounces on that side, and our season ended shortly this year, unfortunately. And uh, the four four championships in a row legacy kind of ended. Uh, so <laughs> you can put that on my resume. <laughs> I screwed up the <laughs> the program. The streak, <laughs> the yeah. Championship, yeah. The streak. Um, but no, but overall it was a pretty good season and, and I'm excited I'm excited to be back definitely for one more year. If we have one, nobody knows. What are you what is your conference saying right now? So in the NA ten they they came out and said no fall sports. Everything's okay. pretty much canceled until December thirty first, January one, and they'll pick up with winter sports. But it's it's very funny at my school. Our men's team is in the NE10, which is the only D2 conference in the country for hockey. Yeah. And then our women's team is in the NEWHA, who just last year got brought into NCAA D1. Yeah. And so, okay. like, all summer long, I'm sitting there thinking, like, maybe we'll have, like, women's hockey, but not men's hockey. But no. Yeah. The the school in general said no no sports until January one, since the their main God, conference feel, said I that. Bad for the girls. They're just starting Division One program. Wouldn't you think they make an exception to make that? You know, uh, I, I I would hope they would play, but fortunately, yeah, it's it's yeah. I don't know. We we still Mayak is not. I mean, they came out with postponing most sports for the fall till spring. The contact one, I think, like um, tennis and like some cross country. I yep. think it's they're still competing, but uh, nothing else. 
only only those two sports and uh, volleyball, soccers and football are canceled till spring. So they plan on playing in spring, but I don't know nice. how much that's gonna happen. And and our coach said they're trying to figure out right now the ways you know to play conference season, maybe play one extra round of games instead of non-conference and play um uh you know or play 16 game season after january 1st but we have not got the the answer yet yeah there's there's so many different ways to look at it and and i think the best way is to to do everything you can just just follow social distancing do the yeah. thing you do because the sooner that we can get through this the, the sooner yeah. we get college hockey back and and I, yeah. I just posted on the episode episode that dropped last night. I said there's a lot of qu- question marks right now in college hockey. Yes, and, I agree. Unfortunately, and, there is a lot of question marks. Yes. Hopefully, we can get through. Have you guys gone back to school yet in Augsburg? Uh, no. So, our classes started September 2nd. But we did have a um, like an open ice uh, starting in like late July, maybe mid-July. We had like one... I sheet like one time um, in the summer just to go, you know, play, play some pickup pretty much whoever's in town. Yep. And yep. So that we, we did that once a month. And, and then honestly, we're just, with not knowing what's going to happen going back on the ice right now, is kind of just, we're just mostly everyone's trying to take care of their body off ice in the gym just to get stronger. And then the ice going to come second because if we don't play till, January, you know, there's no, no need to jump. But I guess we were told that we might be able to practice at the same kind of like um, start day. Yes. Yep. So like in October, we might start practice, but we're not gonna play games. We might be allowed to have scrimmages. Yep. Yeah, but so, we're not, you know, playing official games. So. So I I think the the way I look at it is. The amount of people that have taken this this three month almost vacation from the from the regular world from the real world, and yeah. have gone, they've just been in the gym. A lot of people I know got uh, those Mars blade things, and they've been skating yeah. like on on dry land. I think uh-huh. this is going to be one of the most competitive seasons in, in college hockey history because everybody is just they're working yeah. out, they're working on their game, and and it's going to be such a short season that every point as if it didn't matter then it definitely matters now. Yeah, I think I think if say we get out on the ice in October, and imagine if we don't play till January, you're going to see some Russian five in Detroit hockey with the backs, you know, yeah. drop backs between the leg passes, no looks because that's how guys are going to know each other so yeah. well because we practice every time, every day. That's all we're going to have to, you know. If you don't have a game on Friday, Saturday, you're not gonna just have an easy practice on Thursday. You're gonna have full week of practices. You know, you're gonna go all out every single day. Maybe have a scrimmage day on the Friday and so on. And yeah, I think I think it's gonna be a really good level of hockey um, this come this winter. I guess probably most realistic uh, come this winter in January. And we're gonna we're gonna see some very high level hockey. Unreal. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on and doing this with me. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting. All right. And and enjoy Augsburg, enjoy classes and, and hopefully I see your name uh spotlighting a a Mayak championship this year. I really hope so too. I wanna to get it on the trophy one more time. Yes, Three sir. times the charm. <laughs> All right. See you later.
I appreciate it. Have a good one. Bye-bye. A big thank you to Daniil for that interview. Great interview. I mean, like I said last week, whenever you get a guy who will just talk about hockey for an hour straight with a kid he's never met before who's got this random brand-new podcast, that, that means that you found someone that really likes and enjoys the game of hockey. So big thank you to him for a great interview. But that's going to do it for the Mayak season preview. Uh, next week, don't know what conference we're going to hop into. We, we got a little bit of stuff we got to do before then, but make sure you tune in for another interview with a player from another conference and the first half of another conference season preview.